Thank you for listening to this episode of MESPA Principal Cast from the Minnesota Elementary School Principals Association. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to MESPA's Principal Cast. We are flipping the script this week. We do have our current host, Brett Domstrand, on the line, except tonight he is going to be the interviewee instead of the interviewer. I am Kip Link, a 13-year proud member of MESPA and happy to be here with Brett tonight. Brett, we're excited to have you on the other end of the line tonight. Kip, it's great to be here, as always. <laughs> you know, we are we are coming off uh, a leadership weekend here with our MESPA members. We had all our division leaders together and working, and we kind of brainstormed a little bit and talked a little bit about a lot of the different things going on at MESPA, but also, you know, there was a lot of talk at, over the weekend about how we need each other. Uh, you know, your first host uh, here or your first guest on the principal cast was Kurt Slater and he was our keynote and kind of talking about how we can't do this alone. And so if you could just talk a little bit about what MESPA's meant to you and how you have made it uh, that helped the organization and yourself just not be alone and, and grow together. Uh, Kip, it's a, it's a great way to start the conversation because uh, um, now going into my sixth year of principalship, I can tell you there are times where it does feel like you're alone. And um, one of the things Kurt Slater was talking about, but I hear this from so many of our colleagues, is that it means a lot to have a support network of principals who understand what you're going through. Because there's been a point in time where almost everybody has experienced something similar. It might not be that same situation, but to know I can reach out to Kip, I can reach out to Brad, I could call Kurt, I could call my colleagues right there in Lakeville and know that there's help just around the corner with a phone call. And sometimes it's just to have somebody to listen to you. I mean, every now and then, that's all I need. I just need to verbally talk through a problem with somebody who can view it from the lens of a principal and help me see something that maybe I didn't realize when I was in it knee deep. And, um, and that's where MESPA comes in handy. I, uh, I, I'm going to kind of like shift way back. When I was an aspiring principal, I, I, I got a job as a TOSA. Um, and my career um, was in special education prior to entering the principalship. And um, I reached out to Brad Gustafson, um, and I knew him from Twitter. And when I was a teacher, I was tweeting all the time about the great work that was happening in my district and that I was involved in. And Brad is somebody who reached out to me and just said, Brett, you're just, you know, you're doing great things. Keep it up. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe that a principal reached out to me and I'm not even a principal. And and that kind of changed my world and realizing, wait a second, like it's not like you become a principal and you're at some level that's above everybody else. What it means is that you just have access to so much more to be able to share and help make everybody better. And MESPA is so good at doing that for all of us as principals. As you kind of were speaking, there are two, two comments and uh, different events kind of popped in my mind as, as you were talking, and they both kind of relate to um, some work that we, you and I have been able to, to do together. Um, one um, was actually just as you got your, your principalship there at, at Lake Marion, we had a summer day where yeah, uh, I remember about well. four of us got together, you know, Brad, uh, Gustafson, you already mentioned, kind of invited us all over to, uh, 
to his building and we we learned about touchcast and we learned about uh, augmented reality and all sorts of different things so we spent just fun. an afternoon but that kind of afternoon is exactly the type of thing where you don't feel alone and th- and then the second piece that kind of popped in my mind is uh you were talking about people that kind of understand um our colleague down in Austin, Jessica Cabine, always says it's nice to know that there's other people that understand the crazy that I that I'm feeling right now. Um, <laughs> right, that that sense of crazy. So, ah, oh, so true. Oh my gosh, right? It's it, it's until you until you realize that you might start your morning having to help a kindergartner with some with some kindergarten issues, and then you're working through some complex problems with your with your fifth graders that that you're just on such different levels and then you might have a couple parent situations or other things that happen and you you just you never know what the day is going to bring as a principal and it's it's so good to know that there are other people who get that job yeah well you know uh, like this weekend where we had about a hundred uh minnesota principals together at that leadership conference you know you really you really remember the collegiality of it and the learning we have from each other so if you could uh, maybe share something that you are really proud of that you helped accomplish in your school district, um, but it was kind of a result of some things that you picked up from uh, either MESPA colleagues or other principal colleagues um, on Twitter or Facebook, Pinterest even, um, but just something that, you know, the collegiality brought you and that helped make Lake Marion Elementary a little bit better place. Yeah, I'm actually going to take uh, talk about something that just happened over this summer. Um, we, I went, I had the honor of going to NAESP for my first time, and so, you know, I've heard all about it, and I just finally said, I, if I want to keep growing, I've got to get connected with principals who are not just doing great things in Minnesota, but in other places. And one of the sessions that I went to was around. Um, Breakfast After the Bell and No Kid Hungry. And No Kid Hungry is a nonprofit that basically wants to make um, meals accessible for all of our students and removing the stigma of like some students go to have breakfast in the the cafeteria and the rest of them go to the class. And it, it starts just creating this separation. And in Lakeville, we, at Lake Marion in particular, we had a similar need there when when we were looking at our building was overfilling and we're we're over 100% capacity right now our cafeteria was also my kid zone so we're just we're competing for this same space and the students who were getting breakfast often i looked and i said wait a second why is this that our black and brown or our students who are qualifying for free and reduced lunch are the kids who are eating in here and we're not giving them enough time and they're running to their class and they're late and it's just it's not a way you want to start your day and No Kid Hungry really gave me an opportunity to see that we can actually make breakfast after the bell so it becomes this inclusive piece that also now we're, we're starting morning meeting in the classroom and all the kids are doing this together. And if you're eating breakfast, you're still part of morning meeting because you got to greet your teacher at the door. You got to talk about your morning. And then now it's communal eating. We have over doubled our numbers of kids who are eating breakfast this year from last year. It's insane, Kip. It has blown my mind. Um, so that's, that's just one of the things that I just like, I, I, like, I want to run around and tell everybody, like, if you haven't thought about this, it is a game changer for your kids. It's awesome. You know, uh, you're, you're mentioning that, and that was very similar struggles that 
have been gone through at a couple of the different buildings that I've been at. And, you know, do we have breakfast in the classroom? Do you, you know, do you try to get them off the bus in a hurry so that they can get down to class on time? Because that, like you said, that morning time is such a key start to the day. And if we have kids missing it, um, it's a really, it's a really big deal. We can, we can set the whole day down the wrong path by forcing a kid to miss breakfast so they can be part of the class or have them have breakfast, but miss class and could just set them off. One of the things that, um, you know, maybe this does, it's not quite as convenient for some elementary schools, but if we were creative and we thought about it, um, my, my older kids are in a middle school and high school and uh, they have what they call the second chance breakfast. Yes. Um, it's after the school day has started that there's a, you know, that would basically kind of be like around a snack time that the kids can go down um, and get a second chance breakfast and it, it's through the same meal program. So they, you know, they have to have the required items and different things when they go, but it's all uh, for the, it's all cold food that they can bring back with them. And, you know, at their age, it's kind of eating in the hallways on their way back to class. Or different <laughs> right. Things. Right. If we got creative, we can do that in our elementary schools too. We just have to sometimes stop and think outside the box of how we normally do things. Yeah. And what's so cool, Kip, is that there are all these grants that are out there and even NESP has a grant to help schools pull this off. And and it's like, wait a second, like there are people who want to give money to your schools to do innovative things like this that level the playing field for all kids. It's it's just such a game changer and and you know, I, I kinda wanna do the go tell it on the mountain because it's not a practice to hide. It's like, hey, and 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 for anyone who goes, yeah, but in my building, I know the teachers would cry, uh, or not cry, pardon my language there, but they would talk, I was saying cry over spilled milk, but that's what I want to say is they're like, what if they spill milk on the floor? And how am I going to get this to happen? It, they say in the paperwork, give it three weeks. We're in our fourth week. And I've got teachers who are talking about how successful it is. And they're like, oh, I can't believe two weeks ago I was ready to give up on it. You just, once you build those routines and structures, it goes so well. The kids know what to do. The teachers know what to do. And now it's just part of what we do. So totally worth it. Well, you know, and sometimes the kids are more flexible than the adults. Um, and they can pick <laughs> up and, 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 you know, and change with it quicker than we, than we can as adults. Right. Hey, speak, speak, staying with the collegiality theme, I think we're going to kind of just roll with that for the night here um, as we're chatting. But uh, talking about that then, is there anything in your job, and I actually I know the answer is yes, but I'm going to give you a chance to expand <laughs> on it a little bit. But is there anything that causes you to lose sleep at night? And, uh, you know, what is it? And then how can our PLN out there on Twitter using hashtag MESPAMN, M-E-S-P-A-M-N, MESPA Minnesota, help you solve it? Um, well, one of the things I don't think any of us can help each other solve it is when you know that you didn't serve every child the best to the best of your ability. And when you, when you think about what keeps you up at night, that's the stuff that personally keeps me up at night is when I know I wasn't my best for somebody. And, and, you know, with 700 kids in my building, you're, you're running from one thing to the next because there, there's always people that need you. And sometimes you don't get to spend as much of quality time with a student in particular because you just need to be able to go see some other students too. And so that's, that's something that at times bothers me. Now, 
when you look at like systematically, what can you reach out to your MESPA people and say, hey, you know, I'm really struggling with this. For me, one of the things that I have actually been recently reaching out is we're, we're dealing with an overcrowding issue in my building. And I've had to convert every non-classroom space into classrooms. And, and I've, I'm realizing that there are so many principals just this weekend who are like, oh, we had to go through that a few years ago. And here's one of the things I did to kind of free up my EL teachers. And here's what I did to, to you know, create an extra gym space for, for small group. And, and that's the kind of stuff where by putting in MESPA MN and, and using that hashtag or by reaching out to your colleagues who are in your division or, or in your Twitter PLN, whatever it might be, um, don't let yourself lose sleep or at least don't lose sleep more than one night because <laughs> I think it's inherent in our business that you're going to lose some sleep. Um, I, you know, it's, uh, it's just one of those deals, but it, it, if you lose it more than one night in a row, it means you're not doing enough to help yourself. Self-care is so important, Kip. That's maybe that's another piece of the collegiality is that we take care of each other and that's what keeps us going in a field where, there's a lot of research that shows <clears throat> that that principals don't stay in this career. If you don't make it after five years, um, you, if you make it past five, you got a good chance that you're going to finish a career as a principal. But um, if you don't make it more than five, then you end up finding something else. And, you know, it, it's, it's horrible for me to think of principals leaving the profession because they weren't getting their needs met. You know, I, I think that's like the perfect the, the perfect thing. So, you know, those of you out there listening, um, hashtag MESPAMN, what are your best self-care tips for principals that are just kind of struggling to, to be positive and to be strong and that they are really working hard to do the best that they can for kids, but help them to understand that we got to take care of ourselves before we can take care of anyone else. So, Let's see the, the best tips and advice you have for self-care uh, trending on hashtag MESPAMN. Um, kind of, we talked a little bit about, you know, hearing Kurt speak this this week. Um, you know, we've had, we have the luxury with, he does some of the principal exchanges and different things that way. Um, we've got, you've mentioned Brad and Jessica and different things. We've got some great keynote speakers within our, our divisions at MESPA, um, and they provide some awesome opportunities for, for us. So what is the best professional development that you've ever received and what made it so impactful for you? Wow. Um, <laughs> trying to figure out just one, Kip, that's a really good question. Um, I, I guess I'm going to look at it in two different ways. One, Right now, I am pursuing my doctorate, and what I'm loving right now is that I love feeling like I am a scholarly reader and a scholarly writer. The, the, when you begin reading research about things that directly impact your school, so right now I'm reading a lot about ACEs, which is Adverse Childhood Experiences, and how to create trauma-informed schools, and and as I'm digging more into that, I'm seeing the, the depth of research that is so recent. I'm, it's, while it's not professional development in the way of like, did you get your CEUs? It is something that 
my my head is constantly trying to wrap around every time I read another study, I I start thinking about okay, where am I going to go next with this information? Because it's it it just wants me to keep digging deeper. So that that would be one way. Um, then when you get into other levels of professional development, I, I'm going to spin it back to actually our association. I I have found that whether it's going to a legal seminar with Roger Aronson, whether it was the Literacy Academy that I attended with Bonnie Hauk, and and really for me to get a better, coming from the high school level, um, where, where I was teaching in middle school and high school, and then I had to make the shift to elementary principal leadership, and I had never taught in an elementary school. Um, to, to make that shift and to learn about what guided reading is and talking about balanced literacy. And, and I grew so much from that and I became a better instructional leader because of it. Now, granted, I was also doing other things that helped fill in the gaps of my learning as I was going along. And by the way, having amazing teachers sure helps. Um, but that I would say some of those opportunities just for MESPA itself, um, I always was signing up for at least one training every year with MESPA so I could get, you know, get more opportunities to learn with my fellow colleagues who were practicing. And, you know, one of, as you were talking there and you were talking about coming from the middle school and high school, if I remember correctly, you also had a stop at level four programming. I sure before, did. Before coming into the principalship or as part of uh, being an, uh, an assistant principal, uh, correct? Is that I, I I was just I was just teaching in setting four before I before I okay. came over to Lakeville, um, but uh, but yeah that but that was where I got my start though in attempting to get into leadership. Um, you know it's it's funny uh, listening to Kurt Slater and, and talking about the number of times he didn't get a job. I I had a lot of that same experience of. I was interviewing and I was getting great feedback. Oh, you're so positive. We see that you're going to be a great leader, but you know, we need somebody with experience like over and over again. It's like, well, who's going to take the chance and give me some experience. <laughs> and, uh, um, it, it, so hearing Kurt, it, it made me laugh because I'm like, dude, so right with you there. Um, on, on trying to get your shot for somebody to believe in you and say, you know what, we're going to, we're going to let you learn in our lab. And um, that's why I'm grateful for the job I have. And like shout out to Lisa Snyder, who was my superintendent when she hired me back then. She took the leap of faith to say, I know you've never been a principal before and we don't normally hire first year principals, but we feel like you've got what it takes. And that, that to me launched a whole new level of opportunity that I, I mean, I'm sitting here talking to you right now and, and Kip, we're talking about a podcast and, before I became a principal, I don't know if I would have talked about doing all of this. And um, it's, a, it's a great place to be. Yeah. Well, and, you know, you, you, you mentioned that, you know, taking a chance or doing some of those different things, you know, I totally can relate to, to that. I was a fifth grade teacher in a middle school um, in, you know, in Dasso, Kokato, Minnesota. Um, I think my first 20 or so interviews for a principalship were seven, 12 buildings. Like I was always kind of in no man's land. I, I didn't teach it in elementary school, even though I was elementary licensed. I, my experiences in high school weren't all that great, but you know, like you said, it's who's willing to take a chance on somebody that uh, doesn't have, you know, doesn't have leadership uh, experience as a principal. And then on top of it, 
not even in the setting that you're <laughs> you're coming right. for. Um, it, it's crazy um, trying to work your way through that process and just staying positive. But, you know, the more people hear that, you know, no, I, I interviewed like 25 times or I interviewed like 30 times. And, you know, when you hear your, your national distinguished principal saying that this weekend, like we did, you know, then you're like, oh, I'm normal. <laughs> I'm <not> as <laughs> right. crazy as I thought. Yeah. But, um, you know, do you have a mistake that you've made that you'd be willing to share and you know, what like, kind of message we can take from that? A mistake that I've made. Um, you know, I've, those chapters of books that I have had to put every mistake in, I don't have it that handy. So I'll go with, uh, ones that are, that are more recent in my head. Um, I, I can tell you, one that one that really sticks out with me and it was a it, it was a tricky one um but quite a few years back um with, with an with an equity lens is i we we used to do a a harvest party celebration in my school and it involved a parade and a whole bunch of stuff in our school and you know i i saw some students who who weren't participating in it um and and when that happened, those students would come down to the office. And I said, why are, why are the kids hanging out here in the office? They said, well, they, they don't celebrate Halloween. So, um, you know, we, we've got to find a place for them to sit. And I said, okay, that's not right with me. I, I don't agree with this. And rather than try to create a collaborative culture of how do we solve a problem of not all students are getting their needs met by a practice that we're doing, I kind of came in heavy-handed and 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 made some pretty significant changes. The mistake that I made is because I didn't seek input from others, I put all my teachers in a spot of having to defend a decision that I made on my own. And and even though I was out there in front of it, um I I really had a hard time. I I had a petition signed against me and, you know, I had parents saying, you know, Mr. Domstrand is everything that uh, is against everything that America is about. And he's making a decision for five kids um, that's affecting all these other kids. And, and in reality, I think that it would have gotten a lot better if I had just taken a collaborative approach. And instead I, I moved forward because it was my agenda and, and I lost, I, I lost in so many ways. I had kids that were upset. I had parents that I had to do a lot of repair with, and I had teachers who didn't know if they could trust me because I put them in a vulnerable position. And it's a mistake that even though it was in my second year, um, it is one that I will never, ever, ever forget because now whenever I make decisions, I think about, do who do I need to involve in this decision making process to make sure that we are doing what's right by our school? Now, obviously, there are times where I have to make decisions where I just make them, and sometimes I make mistakes because I'm making them in the moment. But that was one that I had planned. I had thought I had solved the world's problems, and instead, I just created a whole bunch more. And that, by the way, to wrap back to what we were saying, kept me up a lot of nights. I bet it did. Well, you know, you you make a great point there of, you know, there's sometimes that you just have to make decisions, but even to be able to pull a group of, of staff members together uh, or other stakeholders together and be able to say, all right, this is, this is my decision that I have to make, but I'm really looking for your input. 
I want to hear what you have to say, you know, what, what things will need to happen to make this decision more palatable, you know, because we all know that there's times where people go, oh, the decision's already been made. They don't really want our opinion. Um, but there are times where the decision is pretty much made, but we still need that opinion. We need the feedback so that we can roll it out in a way that is palatable and defendable and has stakeholders involved in at least being able to, to know the rationale and the background behind it. Um, you know, that's one of the things I talk about all the time is, you know, when I'm working with a, a group of stakeholders for whatever it happens to be, is just being upfront about what is the process, the decision-making process. This is a decision we're all going to make together by consensus. This is a decision that, uh, you know, I'm going to make after hearing your feedback. This is a decision that somebody else is going to make and we're just providing them feedback. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but just trying to be upfront about that right away, but making sure you're, you're involving the, those stakeholders. So, um, you know, that kind of rolls right into what is my, my last kind of uh, big topic for the night before we get into, get to know Brett Domstrand a little bit better. Um, but what is the best advice you ever received? Oh, best advice I've ever received. Well, uh, I guess there's a, there's, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna roll that up into a bunch of good advice because I, I think there's a joke that, uh, the best thing about advice is you get what you pay for. Um, <laughs> and, and so you're rarely, you're rarely paying for that advice. But one is a mentor of mine. His name is Dave Adney. And Dave was the principal at Minnetonka High School and was one of my instructors as I was getting my master's degree and then again as I was getting my principal licensure. And Dave taught me how to be a reader. Um, and not a reader like, here's how you become a better reader, but to read to become the best leader you can be. And I inherited this book list from him and I could not devour the books fast enough. I mean, and it was, whether it was like Daniel Kahneman and like um, think, thinking, I believe the book is called Thinking Small and Big. Then there was uh, all the Malcolm Gladwell books. I mean, Gladwell books. Like I was reading every one of those books because I was realizing it was helping me see my bias. It was helping me understand how different perspectives matter. I, I you know, I, um, there is, uh, um, oh, let me think of that book now. I'm going to, I'm going to come back to it because I, I'm, I'm forgetting off the top of my head. But so Dave was always somebody who said, you got to read. And when I talked to Melissa Sonic last week, one of the reasons why she and I hit it off so well is because we love, we have a passion for wanting to be scholarly leaders, wanting to be some, you know, be well-read. So that, that's a great piece of advice. Um, an, another piece of advice that, that was shared with me is you, no one ever says, um, let's stay up all night and make a decision, but it is, you do hear people say, let's sleep on it. And there are so many decisions I have allowed myself to sleep on and woken up in the morning with a fresh perspective and I'm able to do my job better. And so when you think about that, I tell teachers, you get that email at 8.30 at night from a parent who is saying whatever it might be that they're saying, Don't you, you might feel like you need to respond right then in that moment, but you're coming from a place of defensiveness. You're coming from a place where you're tired. It's been a long day. And are you going to be responding in your best self in that moment? If you give yourself the morning, you wake up, 
you have a different perspective of what they're trying to tell you in that email and you might be able to respond in a better way and that is something i take i take seriously because i let so many things go and go wait a minute don't react what are they really trying to tell you here just give it give it a little time to simmer and then come back to it and uh th those two pieces of advice are are have been pretty darn good oh the book i was thinking about it's called first break all the rules and um it first break all the rules i got to tell you if you if you want to it's from the gallup um group so if you've ever heard of all those gallup studies um gallup is so good about making a great argument for why uh, why we do things or why we shouldn't be doing things and first break all the rules was such a fun read I highly recommend you take a look at that book if you're interested in leadership and interested and organizational leadership not just educational leadership it's a good one all right if people have stuck with us this long we're at about like 28 minutes oh I hope you stick it around people <laughs> <laughs> this is the chance for the people that need to suck up to you and maybe get you a gift <laughs> Or, or do something else. We're going to give them a chance to know the answer of if they're coming to ask for something big from Mr. Domstrand, this is what I need to bring. So here we go. You ready? Yeah. Coke or Pepsi? I'm a Pepsi. I'm a diet Pepsi guy. All right. Mountains or beach? Beach. Vikings or Packers? And there is Vikings. a correct answer here. Vikings. Favorite kids book? Ooh, well, if you want to talk about what did I just read, I just read the Last Fly Guy book. So that one was really, really fun. Um, and my other recent one that I was reading to the kids, Jabari Jumps. Um, it's a great it's a great story because it's just talking about, um, I, I, sorry, short answer, Jabari Jumps. Perfect. Love that one too. Uh, favorite adult book? Um you know, I uh, I just finished Stephen King's newest book called The Institute, and uh, I I couldn't put it down. And right, I, I, so I love suspense books in my in my free time. And uh, the other one I just read was called The Chain by Adrian. I can't remember what his last name is, but uh, The Chain is a psychological thriller that I got to tell you, if you're a parent, it will mess with you. But it, you'll also want to just keep reading it because you just can't believe that a book could be written and someone could think of this stuff. And it's it's not horror, but it's just it's uh, it's an intense book. Okay. All right, last one: sweet or salty snacks? Salty. I'm a salty uh, dude. All right. Hey, so now we've given the staff at Lake Marion other uh, uh, their the insight to what will get the correct answer when they ask the question or <laughs> us master principals that are going to ask you for something. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to spin here to just uh, covering some PD, but while I'm doing that, I want you to be being preparing for uh, your homage to our current master president, Eric Scanson. I'm, I'm going to come back to you for a corny joke after we talk a little bit about some of our upcoming professional development opportunities through MESPA. You got so, it. All right, coming up, uh, Roger Aronson is continuing his tour of uh, the state for his school law seminars. He's in St. Peter on Friday, October 4th, in St. Cloud on Monday, October 7th, Monoman on Tuesday, October 22nd, and in the Twin Cities on Friday, November 1st. Uh, another one for those of you that might be early in your careers, the Early Career Principals Workshop. Brett, you're one of the presenters for that one, correct? I sure am. 
Monday, October 14th. Um, a great day to be with other colleagues that are going through the same crazy that you are right now. And then also we've got our responsibility, our responsibility center discipline, October 4th, part one and November 26th, part two. We've got trauma foundations and applications for trauma responsive schools on Thursday, October 24th in Little Canada and Friday, November 15th, also in Little Canada. And also coming up in November, the MESPA School Office Workshop. That one is a, a must if you are, a, well, even if you're not new, but it's great if you are a new in partnership with your administrative assistant, uh, just kind of figuring out your roles and becoming much more efficient and buying time uh, within the day. Uh, that one, November 12th uh, in the Twin Cities. So those are our upcoming uh, MESPA opportunities. Uh, all pretty low cost in terms of, uh, you know, a day's worth of instruction professional development. Uh, and it's all delivered by MESPA principals. So uh, if you, if any of those uh, uh, tickle your fancy a little bit, make sure you get registered for those. All right, Brett, I gave you a little bit of time. Your corniest Eric Scanson joke. Um. Well, uh, before I tell the joke, I'm just going to, I know we're running a little late, but I know we can do this, is uh, we did shout out to Tabor Aiken, who introduced MESPA to houses this weekend, and to talk about how we, we were able to, in 10 minutes, to come up with a joke, a song, a chant, and uh, a mascot for our team. And our team was called the uh, Boreas, which stands from stands for Wind from the North. So we were doing all these great winter things. And so I'm going to tell, this was our joke that came from Boreas, our team. And so ready, here it is. What's the best part about school during the winter? Snow and tell. <laughs> that, that, that would register on the Gronometer. It would meet Eric Scanson's standards. Right. Well done. If, if you want one for the kids, Kip, here's what you could say. What video game do they play in igloos? Snow Fortnite. <laughs> da, 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 da. Uh, that's for all the kids who play Fortnite. There we go. <laughs> uh, well, Kip, you made it fun, man. Good job. Well, thanks for opening up a little bit and being able to uh, flip your role. You know, we are trying to roll out this uh, MESPA principal cast about every other week, about every two weeks. Uh, yeah. Brett, you've been carrying the load as being our host for uh, the first few, and you got a, I know you've got a couple more coming in the future, but we're also trying to pull in some other MESPA members that will be our, our host or co-hosts for the night. So if that is something that is of interest to you, if you want to be um, on either end, uh, make sure you're contacting Rachel Dillon at the, the MESPA office, and she'll hook you up and, and get you in a good spot to be able to uh, share your story or be on the question end. So thanks for joining us uh, tonight, Brett, and giving up part of your evening at home to spend some time uh, sharing advice, being a colleague. Yeah, I Kip, I I love the opportunity to get to be on the other uh, other side of the microphone here. So it's been a great pleasure. Thanks for being a good host. You bet. Hey, all things MESPA at www.mespa.net and on Twitter, hashtag MESPAMN. Share and grow as a PLN. 
And if you're uh, if you're looking for me out there, people, I'm on Twitter at Brett B R E T Dom D O M Brett Dom. So uh, please connect. Love to talk to you. Uh, well, this is Kip Link uh, on behalf of Mespa and the Mespa Principal Cast. Thanks for tuning in. Hopefully, you stayed with us for all 36 minutes. Good night, everyone. <laughs>